Hello, everybody. Welcome to RPG Cast 523 for November 23rd, 2019. I am your super special host, Anna Marie Privet here. And I have a super special guest today. Hi, Chris. Oh, I had too much Olean. Hi, oh. <laughs> Kelly. Uh, it sounds like you need to see a doctor for that. We have Pokemon Ace Peter. Hi. Hi, Josh. Hey. Hello, Not Alex. Not playing Pokemon. Hello. All right. So, Josh, I'm sorry. I'm going to bench you for a minute. Cause... Wait, has sure. Josh finally paid Pokemon? No. No. That's why I'm benching him. Come on. Are you still playing that Trails garbage? We're... We'll talk about what he's playing later because it's actually interesting. I'm very confused. It is relevant to you, Chris. No. Yes. No. Yes. Okay. We're going to talk about Pokemon, though. So, okay. I finished the main story of Pokemon. I, I have questions about Pokemon. Okay. Okay. Right, but first, let's figure out where everyone's at. You're right. I'm sorry, Anna. So I finished the main story. Peter is 95% We're of the way through the game. We're literally watching him go through the Elite Four now, I think. It's not the Elite Four. Well, whatever then. Still, It is the, the conclusion to the, the plot, plot twist. The plot twists. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, Alex? I bet, I, can, I bet you I can predict those pro- pl- plot twists already. Go ahead. I have four badges. All right. How about you, Kelly? Yeah, I, I got a little stuck after the sort of little bump that comes after the third badge and was also rotating my Pokemon team around. So, Let's yeah. see. I just got the eighth badge last night. You still actually have more content than you think to go. Yeah. I will say I am impressed by the pacing of this game. I think they did a good job... Um, providing things to do between each badge. And I think the gym challenges are really neat. And they actually stayed kind of nifty and relevant the whole time. So um, for those that are playing sword, you're not going to resonate with this. But um, in shield, one of the gyms that changes between the versions is an ice gym. And so when you enter the ice gym, you're given two dowsing rods and you have to douse your way around the gym and avoid falling into holes. That was a rock gym for me. Yep. So what was your challenge? It was it was literally the same challenge. It oh, was for real? Avoiding holes. Yeah. Nice. Just okay. it, the, the people were just uh, rock trainers, not um, Was not there like trainers. a sandstorm in the third one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. So there's a blizzard in the third area. Oh, Chris, okay. no. No, wrong sandstorm. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, did you do the bumper car gym? Did you get to that, Anna? Uh, bumper car gym? Yeah, it should be one where you're that's bouncing a, around. That's always. a fourth one. Oh, it? yes. I told you about that, and you're like, ooh, and then I never heard from you. That was fun. It, it okay. was like the teacup gym. Okay. Is what oh, I would cups. consider okay. it. Yeah. Yeah, there were hands that made that made you go boing in a direction, and you had to like either go into them or avoid them, depending on what area of the progression you needed to go to. It was great. I actually quite enjoyed that gym. No one's asked me how far I got. How far are you, Chris? I haven't gotten my first badge yet. <laughs> and I'm laughing because there are two ways you can handle getting your first badge. You can beeline to that badge and immediately get it. Or you can do like me and get lost in the wild area for like three plus hours. I've been trying to finish all the side quests in the town and I just like I went out and then I needed to go back in and 
The stupid Mincino was at a fountain and not outside. I was so confused. Yeah, that took me a while to figure uh, out. Well, and especially since there's like a random Mincino hanging out at the entrance to the town. Yeah, but and she I'm like, even says that's my Mincino. I know, but I'm like, did you steal someone's Mincino, no, you little thief? No, she's not. She's a good girl. Fine. Anyway, I don't know what's going on in this game. I'm not good. Yeah. I had a good time. Uh, my review is in proofing at the moment. So hopefully, potentially by the time this podcast is up, the review will also be up. No pressure, Josh. <laughs> Have you guys been like just completely engrossed in catching stuff in the wild area? Or is so that just me? I did a lot of wild area catching. I did a lot of max raid battles. I did um, a fair bit of trading. So I think I finished the game with 210-ish Pokemon with about 350 seen. <laughs> Because um, now that I have the eighth gym badge and can catch anything I want, one of the first things I did was made it beeline to the Lake of Outrage, or the, I think it's called the Lake of Outrage, where you can get um, dittos. And there's a lot of high-level Pokemon in there, including just kind of running around, was a Espeon. I yep. saw and, a Glaceon and I missed it. No. And I was yeah, I so turned... sad. I I'm turned sorry. to my husband and I'm like, were you just seeing evolutions just kind of wandering around? He's like, yeah, there's a new one every day. Yep. So and... wait, this is in the wild area? Yeah. So the yeah. wild area changes weather yeah. every 12 to 24 hours. And again, this is another thing people seem to disagree about. It definitely changes every 24 hours, okay. but it might change in as little as 12. I wish I could make it stop being whatever weather it is sometimes because I am um, just get if, tired of the same thing over and over. If you mess around with your switch clock, you can force a change, but you'll also be locked out of raid battles for 24 hours. Uh, so be be careful. But it was like, yeah, it's like I've never seen an evolution just out where you could catch it. So I got me an Espeon now and all of the evolution stones are in that area too. Yep. And I think they spawn randomly. Yep. Um, and the dittos. So also, you can read. the job system in this game sounded super lame when I read about it before the game came out. But mm -hmm. actually using it is really rewarding because it gives you a lot of evolution stuff. Hey, the mm -hmm. jobs is this thing that I like in games now that they started doing in the DS, 3DS era of putting like microtransaction style job mechanics in your regular video game with no money involved, and I love that. It's like why I liked building my freaking, um, uh, what's it called, the thing in uh, Warlords of Draenor, like my uh, garrison. The same mm -hmm. thing, you know? I want to send all those people out on missions. In other words, every go game should have a job system. The end. Nobody agrees with uh, me. To, to be honest, I'm getting kind of tired of it, and wow. Oh, but it, that's another I they took rant. that out. All right. Thought it wasn't in the no, the, expansion. No, there's still a mission table, and you've oh. still got to do it. Yeah, something to note too for the jobs is that it is all real time, which I didn't know. Um, <laughs> and I sent some guys out for a whole day, and then I looked, and it's like, oh, 24 hours until they return. I'm like, okay, see you later, main starter people that I took. 
<laughs> I'll play tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been uh, doing eight hours, like trying to do eight hours before I go to bed and then eight hours before um, work in the morning so that by the time I'm done with work, I, everybody's back. Yeah, you might be able to spoof the clock and, you know, forces it. And I probably could have, too. But I was like, yeah, it's OK. No big deal. But I do know now just to send out people that I want to level up. It's just yet another way to get experience for people that I wouldn't have used otherwise. Right. And <clears throat> that's the thing that I've been using it for. Like in previous Pokemon games that had the ability to trade, especially something like Wonder Trade. Um, when I finished evolving a Pokemon, if I wasn't going to put it into my party, into the chipper, it went. And now I'm like, here is my three boxes full of completed evolutions and I'm sending them out on jobs every day. It, it's completely changed the way that I look at evolved Pokemon. Also, can we talk about how cool EXP candies are? Oh, yes. I... Oh, that's amazing. And so we were we were kind of talking about this um, before we started recording in our pre-show in that one of the things that this game does really well, and, and people call it making the game too easy, but what it, what it actually is is reducing the tedium. And mm -hmm. so the story that I was half telling before we started recording is uh, when I played the original game, Blue, I got to the fighting gym and I had nothing that was good against that particular gym, which, and I mean, Gen 1, it was a fighting gym. So it was like flying and rock where I think the two things that they were, that fighting was weak against. And I had nothing like that in my party. So I had to go leave the gym, go out into the grass and grind up a Pidgeot and uh, a, um, a Graveler. And that's how I ended up beating the gym. But it took me a ridiculous amount of time to do that. In this game, I ended up needing, um, I ended up realizing halfway through the game that, oh, there's going to be a dragon gym at the end of the game. And I should probably start preparing for that sooner over later. So I started looking at all of the ice Pokemon that I'd caught and I'd caught a Snover, which is grass snow or grass ice. And I never have used that Pokemon before, but it was super, super low compared to where my party was. And so I did a few max raids. Um, and I got EXP candy from it, and I fed all the EXP candy to my Snover, and it evolved into a Bomba Snow. And all of a sudden, boom, it was the correct level to be appropriately in my party and active. Yeah, I went through a similar thing with the Ice Gym, and I did the same with a Frostlass or a Snow Run and turned it into a Frostlass because I've never used a Frostlass before. And that's an Ice Ghost Pokemon. Cool. And the, the you know the, one of the other nice things about this is that before leveling up dudes like that, I would get so anxious about what kind of move set they have. Now that you have the move rememberer like right there in every poker center, yeah, you can yeah. pretty much just spec out your team however you want it, and it is so nice. Yeah, I think the whole you know process that they've made with this is there's very few opportunities where you can get to a certain point in the game and get stuck. There's mm -hmm. absolutely no excuse. If you're under leveled, you've got the experience candies. If you don't have the right move sets, you've got the move guys. Uh, and I, they, you know, each game and each iteration, they've been doing better with that. So, you know, the HMs were originally permanent moves that you could never get rid of. And now, you know, they went from that to you could get rid of them, but you still needed them as part of the, 
way to play the game. And now they're gone completely. And then TMs used to be uh, a one-time use. You use them once and then you never got a chance to use them again. Then they became multi-use. And now they're pretty much the the staple of supplementing your attacks. Well, well, they added classic they, vinyl now. Yeah, and so <laughs> now they've actually split them into two categories. There are TMs. Yeah which are low to mid-tier moves, and you can use them repeatedly, but there's also TRs, and those break after being yep. used. But they're also more powerful, a lot more powerful. How right. many kids have no idea what the heck that's all about? Yeah, really. <laughs> What's a record? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so I think it's, you know, we talked about it a little bit in the last uh episode about you know quality of life improvements and i think this is just again leaning more into that you know each time they get it a little bit more right a little bit better and it becomes you know a a game that you can sit down with and you don't have to stress or worry about the outcome of you know maybe you really like using a sandshrew and even though it's not the best pokemon maybe that's just one you wanted to run with the whole time um, and you don't have to worry about that completely ruining your game. I think that's I, I fantastic will, game design. I do too. I will say one downside. It certainly makes the older Pokemon games really hard to go back to now. They have been very hard. I actually, so I bought the 3DS that was the Pokemon edition, mm-hmm. which came with red and blue um, preloaded on it. And I forgot how bad it was to be stuck in a sleep lock for endless amounts of turns or the critical ratio being 25%. Uh, You don't realize how rough that is until you go back and try it and realize like, wow, they really made some strides. I actually, no, sorry, not to feed into, you know, some of the negativity that was online, but I actually posted two tweets that had screen one screenshot from each generation of games, uh, and you know was basically addressing the people who are like, these graphics are awful and they didn't do a good job with them and blah blah blah. And I'm like, uh, my point was is a it's never stopped us from loving the franchise because mm-hmm. we've we've always loved it even when the the graphics were derpy. And <laughs> B, when I mean I, we all remember those weird Bulbasaurs and Charmanders. Those, those are awful. Oh yeah, fatty chew. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, the other piece of that is when has the graphics ever, ever been a factor in the gameplay? It it hasn't, you know. Sure, it's always been nice to see them kind of grow and right, evolve. But I that mean, was one of the dreams of getting a console Pokemon was to have the full AAA graphics treatment. And hey. it isn't to say that the game doesn't have graphical problems. If you're in the wild area while online. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely. And you can turn. But that's the thing. You can turn that on and off so easily. Like you yes. don't have to go on. You don't have to like connect into this thing and then make it like this big old endeavor. It's literally you press Y, you press start or plus whatever. I I'm old. Start is still a thing. (laughs) (laughs) So you press Y, you press plus and then you're on. And then when you're done, you press Y and you press start or plus and you're done. You know, it's, it's, it's very simple and easy to get to. Um, but you know, I'm just glad that, you know, if I wanted to see this game in 3d, I'm not losing, you know, half the frames to watch it in 3d. Like that to me was a bad, a bad dis- uh, design choice. Do you guys remember that next and why? Oh yeah, 
Yeah, yeah I forgot about that. Yeah, what? turn on 3D and you went from 30 frames yeah, to 15. Yeah, but that was true with most of 3D implementations on the 3DS. It was I'm particularly bad that, Pokemon. That was a bad decision. I This, doing what they do here, and yes, it's not this like uh, AAA title, you know, Assassin's Creed level graphics or something like that, but I think it looks beautiful for the console and for the, the gameplay style that it, it sits in. Oh, I mean, it is what it is. Um, I I will admit I do get a little frustrated at how laggy the wild area is, but, you know, it's their first time trying to do something more open world like that. And it being online, I imagine that it had to be a little bit graphically uh, graphically low-key to oh, account switch, for lag. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, and I think it's something that I was thinking about while I was writing the review. And I think here's kind of like one of my big complaints. I still wouldn't recommend this to someone who isn't already a Pokemon fan. And I think that that is a series-wide weakness that Pokemon Let's Go solved really beautifully and no other game has. Mm-hmm. See, Maybe I, I Diamond and Pearl. That was too easy, though, Anna. It's too simple of a game. Uh, disagree? I, I think that this is a good jumping-in point for newbie Pokemon fans just because... If you try to recommend older ones, they're still going to have to deal with a lot of the BS. Yeah, what are you recommending for Pokemon, Anna? Let's go. Uh, that's a different Yeah, I game. think if you wanted to, to really get into it, start with Let's Go uh, and then move to this one and then maybe dabble into one of the newer ones. I My personal recommendation after that would be probably X and Y. Um, but... Uh, I would never suggest any of the older titles. I remember honestly nothing about X and Y, so I would say they had the Flababy and, and the big man who like who missed his Flababy. It's been three thousand years. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Sun and Moon. The only reason I wouldn't say that one is just because it was so handholdy that I yeah. feel like you know maybe they're, Ultra they're... Sun, Ultra Moon. That one was less handholdy. Yeah, I didn't I'm, play that if, one. I thought you wanted more handholdy though, Anna. That's why you're not recommending this and want. Let's go. No, it's not about hand-holdiness at all. What is it about? How easy it is to understand the concepts coming out of the gate. Hmm. So more hand-holding than the explanations? Maybe I'm not explaining it well. Maybe we should carry on. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question. Um, Why is everybody upset about XP share being always on? Why is that a problem? Because they had to walk uphill both ways in the snow to level their Pokemon back in the day. Are we we presuming somehow that, like, the amount of XP you're getting hasn't already been tuned to be higher so that you're not losing anything? I I, I don't understand why it's bad to have it on all the time. I just don't get it. I think Kelly's got it. It's just everybody's angry because we had to level one at a time. And back in the day, even before Experience Share... If you wanted anybody else to have it, you had to swap your Pokemon and risk having them die or faint. Um, and they did have an EXP share, but you, it was a hold item, and the other one got half. Right. And it was okay for like getting them maybe a couple of initial levels, but once you were trying to make it viable, it was such a pain in the ass. Yeah. I, yeah, I hated it, did, it. It didn't work as well as it does in this. And, you know, I again, I'm old, so I don't have time to be sitting here grinding out, you know, a whole party of Pokemon and hoping that I get 
high enough to beat the game. So this was a welcome change for me. I enjoyed having it. And I think you could turn it off, right? Nope. No, no. not in this one. No, this and that's one. the thing that really makes people angry. It's like oh. um, the last couple games that had a global EXP share, you could turn it off. But why oh, okay. do you need to turn it off? <sighs> to make uh, it harder? I guess somebody wanted to. Yeah, you, you don't really. <laughs> yeah. Technically, sorry, technically <laughs> if somebody wanted to quote unquote turn it off, couldn't they just run with a team of one? Yeah, but then you have nothing to swap to if that one goes down. That's the idea. Yeah, but like, there's I think your, they're looking for a middle mode. ground difficulty, I guess. I, I don't know. I don't I'm know just saying, I, I don't get it either. I think it's stupid to even complain about it. I like I mean, being able to have my dudes catch up. There are ways to make the game harder, which is don't mess around in the wild area. Um, don't attack wild Pokemon on the routes. I mean, they're they're visible. Yeah, and I never felt like the experience share made me way overpowered. I, I, oh, I, don't I know, know how it's they... making me more powerful. That's easy. Yeah, if like, you, it's clearly yeah, no, I mean, if you spend XP. like hours and hours yeah. in the 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 wild area before you go do your first badge, you will show up to your first badge and stomp. Gotcha. Maybe that's, that's exactly why. what I, I did. So for my play style, I mean, and maybe I, I don't know. I I played it. Uh, not as much in the wild as I don't as you guys I think but I spent a little time in the wild area caught a few guys that I saw that I wanted got decimated by a few people I didn't mean to run into um and then <laughs> oh did you run into on. that onyx yeah ran the into the onyx ran into the onyx ran into if you go like north into the area it was snowing for me so there's a lot of like ghost and ice types um when you first get to the wild area and you're not prepared because it's like you're level fives and sixes and there's like 20s and 30s in there. Yeah, it was fun. But um, I, I spent a little time there. And then when I realized that, you know, you're restricted by your badges, I left and then didn't come back until I finished all of my badges. So uh, I never felt like I was this over, overly powerful trainer with, you know, who could just breeze through gyms. Yeah, the wild area makes a big difference. Yeah. It was very satisfying going to catch that welcome onyx. One of the things I, I did want to say, and I, I guess I don't fully agree with you on this one, Anna, is that the I felt like the when you said the pacing between each gym was good, I felt like that was true up until 5 through 7, I think it was. Or maybe it was four through six. One of those groupings was so rapid paced. It was just like I beat all three gyms in probably 20 minutes. What? Yeah. Did I you... mean, the what is the what is the area where the like fossil people are? Uh, there are fossil people. Yeah, it's the it's the town by the canyon on like the northwest side yeah, of the map. Stow on side. Oh, where you do the Yamask. Uh, evolution yeah. yeah still on side yeah so still on side is uh is that before gym or that is a gym before it is a gym. that is a gym that's gym four okay yeah so it's four five and six i did really rapidly um and and it wasn't like i was trying or anything you know i i stuck around and looked but there's not really anything on the route between still on side and that um oh crap i forget 
what the name Fairy of that town is. Yes. Um, there should yeah, so be. Yeah, there was the sort of foresty area, which is... Yeah, there yeah. should be... Um, there's two kind of unique like... things in the forest. So the forest should have your version exclusive, either Pinita or Farfetch'd, and then it should have um, Orango whatever and Simi whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I caught one of the monkeys, but I didn't get... I definitely didn't see any uh, ponitas. Yeah, it was... I don't know. It just came really quickly for me. But uh, again, maybe there was something I missed. So um, I but... ended up blasting through there because as someone who's red, green, colorblind, um, I oh, was just God, kind of yeah. flailing around. I yeah. had um, so much difficulty with that area. Not enough contrast. Did you guys know that you could talk to the mushrooms in that area and it would light up the some of the dark paths so that you could see better? Uh, yes. <laughs> that didn't help. <laughs> okay. Because the, yeah, the mushrooms go from green to tinged. red. <laughs> they were, um, the, and, and the lighting was still tinged green and red. Yeah. I was halfway through that area before I accidentally touched to, to a mushroom and was like, oh, wait, you can actually turn on the lights a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, Anna got unofficial hard mode because she was colorblind. <laughs> uh, oh man, yeah. there's there's been a lot of really interesting conversations about um, colorblind friendly video games because um, Star Wars: The Jedi Order came out this week, which is not an RPG. I um, want to play that. But in order to signal which ledges that you can climb up and down on, yeah, they're um, a modeled red. Oh. And so half coordinated, yeah, half coordinated. Who oh, is, is he like colorblind too? N- he's not, but oh. I mean, remember his big thing is advocating accessibility, accessibility yeah. in video games because he's numb on one side of his body, right? Um, and so he plays all of his games one-handed. Um, he actually did different screen, so he took a regular screenshot and put like different um, color blindnesses against it, and I'm like, these all look the same to me. <laughs> It's like, if you had literally not told me that ledge was red, I wouldn't have believed you. Yep. So, yeah, we should, we, um, there's been some interesting conversations about colorblind accessibility in video games. The Outer Worlds is completely colorblind friendly. It has no colorblind mode because it doesn't need one. Yay. One of the main devs of the Outer Worlds is colorblind. This would explain why its art style is like, that's an interesting decision of those color palettes. And it's like, oh, it's like Anna's spreadsheets. Right. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> I'll have to show you guys one of my spreadsheets. After she, uh, it's uh, it's different. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, hey, when you do... When you do it, when I do a social media calendar, I have to um, determine how heavily I'm weighting each of the games that I'm promoting, and so I color each game a different color, and then I can see as a heads up. It's like, all right, I've got four of these, and three of those, and two of those in a two week period. All right, I only have two of that one. I need to put in two more. Do 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 do. Think um, you're you're an advocate of color blindness friendliness for games. I'm just an advocate of big text that I can actually see. Heck yes. I can't <laughs> see tiny text for crap. How's a tiny anymore? text in Pokemon? S- speaking of, take take note, game designers. This text size was perfect. Yes. 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 Zero complaints about the text <laughs> in Pokemon. A lot of space, too. 
Yeah. Yes, and it makes it so accessible to read. And they're constantly putting like new thoughts into their own separate bubble. So you have to like press A to get through a conversation a fair bit, but I don't care because it's so oh. readable. Oh my gosh, Peter, are you telling me the obvious bad guy is the obvious bad guy? Wow. Okay, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't see that coming at all. <laughs> Depend, depends on your definition of bad. <laughs> um, I There is one other point I'll note, and then I'm I'm done Pokemoning if you guys are. But I think we've exhausted this topic. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I would say is that, so taking the approach of instead of this being, like you said, the save the world, you know, there's this bad group that's trying to like team rocket or something like that that's trying to make everybody lose all their pokemon and stuff you know this was really focused on the the player's experience as a gym challenger and i thoroughly enjoyed that and i'm i'm hoping that they take this and branch off one last time this is my only request from Game Freak, from Nintendo, or, or anybody else who decides to play a hand in this, but I want a Pokemon game that allows me to choose the way that I want to beat the game. So whether that's to take out the, you know, menacing group that's there and I want to be the, you know, Pokemon ace, if I want to just breed and build up the decks and get to whatever the maximum decks count is. You want civilization. You want a civilization-style ending. Yeah. It's like you can have a political victory or yeah. a military victory or religious victory. Yeah. Because I think we all play. Uh, wait, wait. A way... I just stepped away. How do you get religious victory in Pokemon? No, no, you don't. He's no, no, he's no. naming oh. different ways that okay. he could win the game. So he could yeah. take on and battle the bad guy. He could breed his way to a certain amount of Pokedex entries. Oh, like okay. what if you could win Pokemon in a yeah. different way? Show me a credit roll for the way that I want to play. So Pokemon has always been about, you know, your adventure as a trainer and how you want to raise your Pokemon. Who's going to do that in a narrative RPG story, though? Like, you never do that in a narrative game. Um, Fantasy Life did it. Did you ever play Fantasy Life? Yeah. I had to be the boss. What do you mean? Uh, there, there was like different endings depending on whether you picked a crafting class or a combat class or oh, what have yeah. you. I thought you needed one of each. I don't remember. No. No, I mean, you could, but if you wanted to play the whole game as, like, a blacksmith, then you, you could play the whole totally game. totally could. I don't remember. Yeah, right. and the only the only downside I could see to that is they would have to probably retool um, some of how Pokemon would listen to you, since if you decided that you didn't want to get gym badges, then obviously all of your Pokemon would stop listening to you at, like, level 10 or something like so, that. So, yeah, I, I'm starting to come around on this because well, I've and... been thinking about how, like, the anime does it, and I'm like, this has bugged me for a while. You know how sometimes it's like you want to be a Pokemon champion, which is battling. Mm -hmm. Why not have it so you could choose to go down the battle path or the Pokemon pageant slash fashion show path? Or Isn't like... that what I just said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But that's, yeah. that he, is he had what to walk away for a second. I had to so walk away, but yeah, like you, if that's what you're saying, because yeah. then you could still have your story unfold too. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it, it could have a different story towards the end based on which route you took. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, finish the. I beat the everyone with passion. <laughs> yeah, beat the elite four and then go to the champion. But I mean, isn't that then... like the whole point of like the XY trainer girl? Or was that a game before that? In the anime, she she wants to be yeah. a, a beauty pageant. Yeah. 
in the mm. anime she does. Yeah. 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 But they've yes. never like done that where you can have a victory condition for beauty pageants. In I mean, game, here's right? the thing so... that I think of, and I've been thinking about it for a while because WoW has all of these ways where you can level up in any order. And I've always wondered why, what would it feel like to have uh, a Pokemon game where you could battle the gyms in any order? I was just talking about this with my husband last night. Um, they would have to put it like, well, you've seen uh, randomized Legend of Zelda runs, haven't you? Yeah, I play Final Fantasy IV randomizer. Yeah, 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 that's right. I forgot. Sorry. Well, and um, A Link Between Worlds has dungeons that you can do in any order. And but there's a recommended uh, order. Okay, okay but... hold on. So if we're going down this road, Kelly, what is the game that you merge with Pokemon so that it's like Link plus Super Metroid? What's the game you merge with Pokemon? No! I, huh? I don't... Pokemon slash Doom? <laughs> <laughs> no? All right. Did you say See, Doom? I was just... Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking that um, the Pokemon would level up with you. So... Yeah. Taking on a gym at like level one, all your dudes would be level one. Or no, if you're level one, the gym would be level one and so on and so forth. So like when you hit level 60, that's what the gym will be is level 60. So you have to really think about your like type matching and stuff. Yeah. I Like I said, I think that they have just, they've introduced all of these different mechanics of like all these different people and how they, how Pokemon or what Pokemon means to them, but they never actually gave us the option to do so as well. Uh, it doesn't matter what you like, whether it's the beauty contests or breeding or what have you. Um, at the end of the day, you still have to be a Pokemon master um, through the gym challenge. And see, for me, my fun comes from filling the Pokedex. Yep, mine too. I, I'm a combination of the two. I, I'm not a catch them all. Um, and I really do enjoy battling and getting my gym badges and overcoming those challenges. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. I think we've thoroughly exhausted Pokemon. Oh, pokies. <laughs> All right. Um, Chris. Yeah. What else have you been playing this week? I played a little bit of Path of Exile, but I was mostly at a work conference all week. So I, I'm through Act 5 of Path of Exile. So I've essentially gotten through the first playthrough, and now it's time for the second playthrough, more or less, except everything's different this time. Um, and that's it. I didn't play much, because I had a work conference. Oh, I put Outer Worlds on the spreadsheet for some reason. Uh, I didn't really play Outer Worlds this week. All right. Um, Kelly, what did you play besides Pokemon? I played a little bit of WoW, because I found out that you're finally going to be able to transmog legendary weapons an 8.3. Mm. So I have started, or I'm attempting to get more legendary weapons, including Thunder Fury, legendary blade of the wind seeker. What? Did someone say Thunder Fury? Legendary blade of the Fury seeker. Uh, I can't, I can't remember it. I, I, I actually messed up the name. It's Thunder Fury, blessed blade of the wind seeker. There you Did go. someone say Thunder Fury? Yes. But that, that, that's going to be hard because that's like a 3% drop just to start the quest. And then you've got to go into uh, Blackrock Depths and mind control some dude with a priest so that you can learn how to smell Elementium. So, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. I did that for people back in the day. 
So, um, luckily I have a husband that has a priest and I'm just going to bribe him one weekend to go do that. But I've got to get the quest item first. And I'm trying to do some of the easier legendaries. Like right now I'm um, trying, I started the quest for the Thangs of the Father on my rogue, which was the um, legendary in uh, Kata for Dragon Soul. And Can I you also still start those? Yeah, okay. yeah. Can you get the staff? You can't get the staff oh, anymore, right? Uh, anathema? Yeah. No, um, the, the bun that you have to do the big, long quest line with the dragons and stuff. Oh, um, I did that one in Warlords by my... Well, I say by myself. I had my husband help me with some of the heroic um, raids. But I'm pretty sure... Are you talking about Terragosa's Rest? No, I'm talking about the staff used to open um, the insect raid. Oh, no, you can't do that anymore. Okay. Atesh or something like that? Oh, Atesh, um, yeah, the, the Shifting Sands thing yeah. that opens up AQ. Yeah. No, you can only do that once. One person on the entire server can do it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So the the legendaries that are still available is Sulfurous Hand of Ragnaros. So that means only Thunder one person Fury. gets the legendary, Anna? Yep. Sorry, Kelly, go ahead. Um, Thunder Fury, Blessed Blade of the Windseeker. Did someone say and Thunder then, Fury? Oh, for Yes. In Burning Crusade, there's the Warglaves of Azanoth, which are just a drop. And Thordwall, the Star's Fury from Kil'jaeden, you, which you is also say, a drop. Warglaves of Azanoth. You have to say it right. you got to give it that <clears throat> I know. flair. I, I'm trying to get through this. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, I actually I had the uh, legendary bow drop twice. I was running Sunwell so much for um, Transmog gear. So I already have that one. And then Wrath, um, there's Volnir, Hammer of the Ancient Kings, which is from Ulduar, and then Shadowmorn, which is from Ice Crown Citadel. Oh, you and can then, actually get Shadowmorn? Yeah. He still drops um, the horse, too, right? Yeah. Invincible or whatever? Yeah. Um, see, I want Shadowmorn because if you beat Arthas with Shadowmorn, you get a side quest that basically kind of wraps up Arthas's story, and I've never seen that before. Oh. And and then in Kata you get have Dragon Wrath, Terragosa's Rest, which I have on my Warlock, um, and then Things of the Father from Dragon Soul, which is for a rogue. Um, Dragon Wrath is interesting because that one turns you into a dragon if you use the staff as an item. Mm-hmm. So Chris has a staff that turns him into nope. a fire kitty. Oh Wait. yeah, I have that one. Yeah. Oh, I need that one. And then you just get an item to do it, and it's easier. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I would like to try and get all the legendaries um, since I'm really not doing anything else in the game since 8.3. It's probably going to hit until January. But wow, yeah. Wow, it's going to take that long? Well, um, we got a whole year of content to pad out, yeah. I guess, but they and already have three they, patches announced. Yeah, that's about right. And they've said that they don't like doing uh, patches over the holidays because of all the problems that arise. Uh, yeah. Oh, and I also got my B on my Alliance character. My your, B mount. Your B mount. Yeah, buzz, I be, buzz. I've been. Where yes, I've been that? trying. Um, and no, it's a whole quest chain that you've got to do, and I think. Do you have to navigate a random um, labyrinth that you can't figure out no. how to get out of? Uh, um, it's not a real mount, is it? In Stormsong Valley, you start a quest where you end up at a hive, 
and you pretty much have to like go hunt for um honey to feed a larva and <gasps> you're you hunting raise for... this bee from a larva yes. and then you get to ride yes, it you... around oh yes, anna let's resub exactly the what... wow <laughs> um and the nice thing is that you don't even have to hunt for the um, honey yourself. You can actually uh, buy a lot of it off the, off the auction house. The only problem is that it's kind of expensive because people really want this bee. It doesn't have the same and it, it, unless it you took get me it about a month to harvest up all the honey to get the bee to full. Do you do Nomerin? Nomergon? No. Nomerin. It's like a new area. Oh. Oh, a Mechagon? That's it. Yeah, you, if you want to unlock flying, you have to do uh, get Mechagon to Revered. Yeah, I think that's what Ninji's been doing this week. He's been cursing a lot at well. Yeah, um, it, it took me about like two weeks to get everybody to Revered so that I could unlock flying. And you definitely need the flying to do the B-side quest because you're going to be flying around Stormsong Valley a lot looking for honey. Um, it, it's a little bit tedious, but the bee mount is so cute. You got a fluffy little butt. Who's the cutest bee? You are. <laughs> you are. Uh, no, oh, you and um, me. to start the quest, now. you have to start the quest. You have to have a bee mini pet called Bumbles that takes like a week to get. And um, while you're hunting for honey, you can get like little hats for your bee mini pet. What? So you, you, you give, it's the new Pepe. Little, yeah, you give him a little fez or a little princess hat. It's so cute. That's it. It's time to go and do vanity. Wow, Anna. <laughs> Launching Blizzard Launcher right now. No, no, we have to. We have to play classic together. Remember? Because no. you've never um, played it, and you have to suffer. People are kind of angry right now because they're taking they're, they're when um, Shadowlands launches, they're going to be taking that one auction house mountain putting caravan? it in the black market, huh? The caravan? Yeah, they're taking it and uh, putting going to be putting it in the black market auction house, so it's not going to be as easily available. Well, how do you get it now? A quest or something? No, you have to raise five million gold. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's like, oh, I'm never going to get that. Yeah, I guess I'm never going to own that. I wouldn't get it on the black market either, so... Yeah. I guess you could buy it then, with money, by just buying enough tokens, right? Yeah, the tenfold hat theory is that they're doing this to boost token sales right now. Great. Yeah. But, no, I'm just happy with my bee. My little buzzer. Yeah, that's all I've been playing. Did anybody play Luigi's Mansion 3? I want to play the other two first. Oh, you don't need to. Oh, you don't? Yeah. But it sounds like they're better, so maybe she should. No? All right. So, and we were watching a zero punctuation on this, which brought up a really funny point that I've made to a couple other people. The first Luigi's Mansion, Luigi actually has a mansion. The Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon is Lu- Luigi has a mansion attached to a mansion. And then Luigi's Mansion 3 is, <laughs> nah, we're not going to do mansions anymore. It's a hotel. It's it's like a high-rise apartment Apparently building. Apparently he hotel. didn't own the mansions in 2 either. 
So it was no, no, no longer his mansion. Right. So, like, why is it called Luigi's Mansion when it should be Luigi's Ghost Fun, Ghost Hunting Service? Luigi Ghostbusters? Yeah. Gooigi, the Gooigi Brothers presents Ghost Hunting with Vacuum Man. I don't know. That's a terrible name. That's why it's not called that. <laughs> You're very good at naming games, Chris. Oh, I'm, I'm the best. <laughs> Hey, didn't I help with Light of Hope somehow? No. Okay. Never mind then. <laughs> Somebody did. Did you? Did you name it? You're the one who named it. I didn't. Um, All right. Well. It's complicated. All right. I did name a Harvest Moon game, but it was before I worked there. Oh, good for you. <laughs> and I don't want to get into it because the story's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear this after the podcast. <laughs> sure. Um, all right. So, uh, who hasn't talked about what they've played yet? Uh, Josh. Josh. Yes, Josh. Actually, hang on. Alex, talk about what you've been playing because I want to finish with Josh because he's been playing some cool stuff we want to like dig into. Yeah. Okay. I just got my fifth badge in Pokemon. <laughs> oh, I thought you were playing something else yeah. this week. Well, that's what I was playing right now. Oh, well, so nice. yeah. I, st- I have four at the start of the podcast. Now I've got five. Yeah. Uh, anyway, apart from that, I've basically been playing Ace Attorney just for the hell of it. Have you played it previously? Yeah. So you're replaying it? Yeah. You've replayed no, it. I'm, repl- I'm replaying on yeah. Switch. No, I haven't. Oh, they have the um the whole trilogy. collection on Switch, right? Yeah, I think just the trilogy. Oh, okay. Yeah. They don't have any of the Apollo stuff, which is I which nah. is what frustrates me because I think they're better games. I like Apollo. I like the Apollo yeah, games because I like the extra stuff you get with that, like the forensic stuff. Yeah. How come those aren't available on the Switch? Yeah. Like Chop Chop Capcom. Well, they were less popular. <sighs> people didn't like people didn't like playing That's as not Phoenix. <laughs> no, um, yeah. people you... didn't like playing as not Edgeworth. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> True. Uh, yeah. I like Gavin. He's a fun pod. Waskita. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I've played it a ton before. It's pretty much exactly the same as it was, only on one screen instead of two. Okay. All yeah, right. Yeah, it, it translates pretty well because with the bigger screen. So. Josh. Yes. You downloaded a whole bunch of Japanese demos last night and were playing them. Yeah, yeah, I did. Now, do you do you understand Japanese? Lord, no, not at all. <laughs> so they're moon runes to you. Exactly. So I don't understand a lick of any of the story bits that were going on, but I was having fun playing some of the other. Sega has uh, released a, a bunch of demos on the Japanese PSN for their games that are coming out, and so I downloaded them. Um, let's start with the more... Uh, the the one I have mixed feelings about uh, the Project Sakura Wars, the new Sakura Wars game. Um, now to remind Chris because he's forgotten again, this is not a TRPG. No. Oh, that stinks! I was looking I forward know. to this. Yeah, I'm joking. <laughs> so this is the reboot of this is the reboot of uh, Sakura Wars that's coming after that's going to be set after no, the events of all American. the other ones. It's a reboot of Sakura Wars. Oh God. <laughs> 
So the demo lets you, um, there's kind of like two parts to the demo. The first part lets you kind of poke around, obviously pretty early on in the game, in the Imperial Theater. And you get to wander around and see a little bit of the story, and you get to talk to all the different girls. And, like, that part is great. I mean, it looks gorgeous from this game that was always much more of like a... uh, very much a melding of visual novel and dating sim with strategy RPG and used to have lots of those sections where it's just kind of like talking heads at one another and lots of text like this one. It's everything's fully 3d. All of the, uh, all the story beats are done with the, the three dimensional models. It looks really good. Like uh, all that stuff looks great. Um, it's really cool to be able to see the, like the Imperial theater kind of in fully realized in 3d with little, steam pipes coming out of the walls everywhere just to remind you that you know everything everything here is steampunk (laughs) and uh of course the lip system is still there granted i have no clue you know like i'm you know you sit there you talk to someone and then suddenly you have to make a choice and it's all in japanese and i don't have any clue so like apparently have you been making the girls angry oh yes i've been making the girls very angry like there was one where I, I at least picked up Dato, where apparently like, I, I, you know, like right as I met a girl, I, I like obviously must have like tried to ask her out on a date and she got very flustered and upset at me. And the other girl was upset with me. <laughs> Never ask a girl out on a date in front of one of the other girls. Yeah, I think yeah that's, that's like not a serious a good idea. staple. Yeah, pretty much. It's a life staple. Well, unless you're only going after one of them. Yeah. No, because you have to have good relationships with everybody or else their combat suffers. Oh, but this yeah. one's different, right? So uh, maybe you can make no. up for combat by no. being good at it since no. it's more actiony. No. What do you mean no? <laughs> Just no? We don't know yet. We'll see. So yeah, I did that and I had another one also chose the wrong uh, option where like there was this girl and she was so engrossed in her book in the library that she didn't recognize us. And apparently I must've picked the uh, kind of like, I'm going to uh, do something to her while she's not paying attention. Oops. And the other girl who was there was like, no, I'm not going to let you pulls out her wooden kendo sword and wax you over the head with it a bunch <laughs> of times until you stop. <laughs> so that like kind of her. goofiness from Sakura Tyson is still there. <laughs> uh. So after spending, you know, like an hour wandering around the theater and doing all the little events that are available, then it opens up and lets you do one of the combat sections. And you know how I said, like, the game, like, looked great? Well, boy, these combat sections look like they're, like, generic, um, like, like, like the Epic Engine has, like, hey, we need a, a generic uh, rocky corridor with lava in it. Hey, we'll just pull that and stick this in. <laughs> like all of the yeah all of the earlier games had well you know the idea is like you're defending wherever you are Tokyo or Paris or uh New York depending on the game this one like i said is just like it's a, a rocky corridor with some lava in it and you're just wandering around slicing up demons in action combat so it's kind of like weird and disjointed maybe there's some sort of story reason for it but it didn't really fit into, you know, my idea of Sakura Wars. It seems more like, okay, this is cheap and easy to do. If we did it in the city, we would have to, you know, we'd have to spend a lot of money doing the backgrounds and making it all look good. Whereas, hey, we stick it in a rocky corridor. That could be anywhere. 
Yikes. It's a heck of a lot easier to kind of do uh, rock textures than to do uh, city landscapes. Uh, combat is, you know, I only get to play if it's only like a 10, 12 minute section. So it's kind of hard to judge too much from that. But it's it's actiony. It has combos. You know, it's very much just, you know, weak attacks building up into combos to, you know, pull off more powerful attacks. Um it does have like I mean you're you're um, you're fighting in the max at least the only section they give you you know to play you're fighting in the max and it's I mean there's some verticality to it because you can jump and then you can still pull off attacks and some of the enemies you're fighting are quite big the biggest thing I was able to notice is that and they've shown that in some of the uh, videos is like your ability to uh, like boost the uh, the the mech that you're fighting in, and you can travel like really fast. So you can just kind of pull down the right trigger, and you just start screaming across the the on across the screen. And there are certain areas of the levels where you could even like fly up on the sides of walls and kind of traverse. So I don't know if they're going to do anything interesting with that. Like it was kind of hard to kind of just starting out with a demo to get my bearings with what I'm doing. But, and, and the, as you would kind of expect from a demo, it's a pretty, you know, straightforward chunk of the game. And of course they cut you off right as you're about to get to like a big boss battle <laughs> to kind of tempt you. Yeah. 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 Of course. It's what you expect from a, from a, a short video game demo. I, I still don't know how I feel about it. Like the game, the story parts of it look great. It looks like they've, kind of captured Sakura War from the story side, but the combat I'm still not a hundred percent sure about. We'll we'll see. Remain remain uncertain about it. <laughs> but that wasn't the only uh demo I downloaded. Oh. The He took notes. I, I'm hearing oh. that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the other demo, it's it's the other game that Sega has coming out in I think it's I think Sakura Wars is December and then uh, Yakuza 7 or, or Like a Dragon, I think it's called here. 20th? Something like that. Yeah, I think so. So they put out a demo. That demo is huge. I've, I've heard it can you can play it for like five, six hours. Like it, it has quite a quite a decent chunk of the game open for you to kind of wander around and play. Um. This one, of course, is the the big change for the Yakuza series where they've gone from brawler combat, action RPG brawler combat, to turn-based. And, you know, they had hinted in a couple of the early, um, some of the early videos that they were taking a lot of influence from uh, from Dragon Quest with this game. Mm-hmm. And, wow. oh, goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, goodness, it's it's absolutely everywhere as <laughs> you're playing it um i mean even down to the little things like all the loading screens have little eight bit uh little eight bit uh, uh pixel art of the characters who are in your party all, all moving along during the loading screens every single time you add a new character or there's any sort of like event that happens they play like an eight bit chip tune uh victory fanfare <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like they have their own little version of that. Like it's it's crazy how they're going about it. Um, 
I mean, like you start playing it and it's like a Yakuza game. It, you know, you wander around, you can do random stuff. Like I did the uh, I did uh, the Mario Kart that is now in the game. Dragon Kart, they call it. And what? I mean, I Oh, yeah. You haven't seen this? No. I've seen screenshots. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is legit. They have put Mario Kart in Yakuza. You have a cart. There are weapons. You go around the track. There's boosts. I mean, Yakuza Five it... have taxi racing, so I guess this yeah. makes sense. Do you get the Daytona yeah. theme music again, or did Daytona. they not put that one? In? If they did, I'm playing it. It's in Japanese, man. It could be in there. I don't know. All right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's it's totally they put in a Mario Kart game into the Yakuza game. Bonkers. Why not? Why not? Because why not? <laughs> There was also one where, like, I totally, I didn't totally understand what you're going on, what what you were supposed to be doing, but you were like driving around on a bike carrying a uh, a uh, giant uh, container behind you, and you're picking up uh, oh, recycling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're picking up recycling, and you're competing against other AI people. And, like, I didn't quite understand, like, if you're supposed to do it quicker or get more recycling. You know, all the explanations in Japanese, so I don't know. That was weird. <laughs> but the the gameplay itself, like, it plays... I mean, it looks just like a like every other Yakuza game until, of course, you get into combat. And the combat was... You know, that's probably the big controversial change, but the combat was fantastic. I absolutely love this turn-based combat. So one thing, like, you know, you get used to playing turn-based RPGs and you get used to, like, people standing on one side and people standing on the other until you make a move. Like, as far as I can tell, anyway, this isn't active time combat, but everyone... Once you, uh, you know, get into a random encounter with one of the characters and very much like the old, just like Yakuza games, you can see um, enemies both on your map and you can see them. You, you can see when you're going to get into a, an encounter with someone and you can avoid them. But once you get close, you know, they'll see you. Little, little thing will indicator will pop up over their head. They'll come over. And the when you're fighting, like both sides are kind of like. Um, you know, they pull out their weapons and they start kind of like circling one another, waiting to make, a, you know, like who's going to make the move. And then you get to choose like, you know, you could do regular physical attacks. You can do magic. You can use items. And the magic um, every, is calling things on your cell phone, right? Uh, no, 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 that's summons. That's a different Ooh, thing. Oh, my bad. OK, so like, yeah, you have regular physical attacks. And when you attack an enemy, like there's all kinds of you can kind of use the environment. I haven't I didn't be I didn't manage to figure out how to like pick. I know there are ways where you can like pick up uh, just like you could always in the Yakuza games where you could pick up like a trash can and start beating someone over the head with it. I didn't figure out how to do that. But when you uh, attack someone, when you attack an enemy, if you knock them over towards one of your other characters, you can like the other character will like get in an extra attack. And then there's like these almost like Mario RPG elements where if you uh, it, it's kind of like a combination of almost like Mario RPG, but also the old sort of QTEs from uh, the Yakuza games where some of the major attacks will have like, oh, you got to hit the uh, the triangle button at a certain point and then you get a boost to that attack. 
So it's kind of like bringing in a little bit of action with it. And like on the flip side of that as well, when enemies are attacking you, if you time uh, the button press correctly, you can block and reduce the damage greatly that they do to you. So they're kind of like they're they're melding the two, you know, so you're getting a little bit of action moved into a turn based RPG. Uh, Yeah, the magic attacks are absolutely hilarious. (laughs) the the caster i had he was the the homeless guy so he had like one where he would he had like a pocket full of bird seed and if you did he would like throw the bird seed at the enemies and all these pigeons would come in and attack the enemies nice <laughs> i'm or ready for this game me too or <laughs> he's got the one where he can pull out his uh his little flask of whiskey and drink it and then set his uh set his breath on fire and fi- you know light the guys on fire <laughs> And of course, I had to go and uh, turn into. Uh, oh man, where, what was I going to say? Oh, I had to do the uh, like, like, like I was saying, the summons where you, uh, Ichiban can call summons on his phone. And of course, I had to do the one with like the crayfish they've shown in the uh, <laughs> in the demonstration video. The dem- yes! Oh yeah, yeah, it's fantastic. It is just so hilarious when he when he does that big giant you know like thing calling them on the phone and then they all start falling down and attacking all the enemies it's just marvelous man amazing but like yeah it's great you wander around like that was one of the first things in the game is like you wander basically to uh you know ichiban the main character is unemployed as is a couple of his friends so they go to the unemployment office and that was like the first no, 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 no. Well, Ichiban was former Yakuza. Gets right. out of prison, so no. So they go to the unemployment office, and that's where you change jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so as a job system, you go to the unemployment office. That's where you go and you change your job. That's <laughs> so like I changed him. I changed him from, I can't remember what his original job was, and you changed him to a host. And when you change him into a host, he starts carrying around a sake bottle. And you'll bash people over the head with it, but he'll also, like, pour it on them, and it will cause status effects on enemies. So, like, all the different jobs have different, you know, like, have different abilities and different attacks. so good. I, it is. It was fantastic. I was just loving the combat. <laughs> it's such a good turn-based RPG. And it had enough action to like keep it really interesting and fun to boot. I just can't wait for it. I like like playing that. You know, Sakura Wars was okay. This like I'm I'm just super excited for. Like playing this just wet my appetite for more. I can't wait for Yakuza Seven to come out. <laughs> I I was not expecting the combat to be as good as it is. I think it's just going to be great. I can't wait to figure out like some of the other stuff, like using the environment. Cause I know you can uh, like, there's even a way, you know, if you're fighting on the, on the side streets, you can knock enemies out into the street and have the, uh, have car passing cars, like come and, you know, knock them over and do tons of damage. So I can't wait to kind of figure out that kind of stuff. Cause you know, I'm just fumbling around with everything in Japanese. (laughs) All right. Is that, Everything that everybody's played? I think it is. Wow. I think I, so. I did say on Twitter that this was going to be a long podcast. So, Woo. all right. Uh, feedback time. Feedback. Feedback. Oh, hey, I forgot to put the question of the week from last week. So hang on. Uh, the first one for me. Yes. 
Yeah, All right, it. so I will uh, I will read it. So Joey emailed us. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, Joey. Um, and he says, "Dear RPG people, this is the first time I've submitted feedback, but I've been listening for years." Oh, thank mm. you, guys. Thank you. I used to listen to you guys after listening to Weekend Confirmed. What's Weekend oh, that's an old time listener. Yeah, that's how I used One to of listen. The podcast that made me start doing this podcast. Oh wow. All right. Um, I don't mean to come here and complain like I'm entitled to anything, but here I go. I listen to you guys talk about RPGs all year long, and for the regulars of the podcast, I know what styles of games you prefer. That makes sense. Um, I know what systems you prefer, and I'm pretty good at guessing if you guys are going to like a game or not before you tell us. I listen to all the praise, the criticism, the arguments, and the celebrations all year. But then you do the best of the year show, and I feel like that gets all tossed out the window. There are tons of people who don't regularly uh, do the show that appear and talk about things that they liked uh, for the year along with Chris. Anna isn't even on the year-end show, and that's true, I'm not. I guess what I'm saying is, is I'm invested in your opinions from all year, and then when it comes to rank the game time, it's not the people that I've been listening to all year. I wish you guys would have a year-end show, just the four or five that regularly show up. And I wish you guys had game rankings just among you guys. The year-end show as it is, is kind of like buying hockey tickets for two teams you don't know. I think this guy might be Canadian. Um... (laughs) It's hockey and it's enjoyable, but I'm just not invested in the same way as I could be. Um, I'm entitled to nothing, but I wanted to provide some feedback. Thank you. We like feedback. Thank you for reading this. Every Monday is a gift when I get to work and see a new RPG cast on my phone. Thanks, right. Joey. Yay. Thanks, this Joey. for me, right? Yes. So let me, let me tackle this. A few things to, to understand. All right. Number one, if you have comments on how the show should be structured or things you're not liking to hear, don't apologize just send it in this is good this is what i want i asked for it at times and nobody ever sends it so thank you joey for actually (laughs) doing what i asked and sending some constructive feedback about the show um number two all right so here's the thing with the game of the year show here's why i started it the way it was so i went to go do a game of the year show and uh i was like okay um i'm gonna schedule this at a different time of the day and we're talking about game of the year so how do most podcasts do this? They have their reviewers, go the people who review games all year long, go through and um, give their opinions on what they what the games they thought were best, and they end up ranking them. Um, we didn't apparently all the people I talked to didn't really want to do like a s- traditional ranking, so instead we settled for our little stupid questions, and then we rank the games within the answers to that each particular s- made up topic that we use for each of our questions. Um, and, you know, it seems like it works, and we get to have opinions from people who've played through a ton of games. And at the time that I came up with this show, the people doing the podcast weren't really playing that many different games, at least not the quantity of games that the reviewers did. And so, and to completion, in addition. So, like, if it would, like, be me and Manny who, like, couldn't you know manny could get through more games than i could but he still wasn't able to complete everything he had no time i had no time um and so it was like i wanted to get people who their job on the site is to play tons of game through to completion and develop full opinions about it and then hear their opinions about what's best because like hey they played all the games they're the ones who would know since we started that things have changed a little bit right we have um some newer regulars um, including some people like Kelly, who only do the podcast. Um, and uh, Anna Marie is back in the reviewing business. And um, 
just but well whatever it is like uh josh reviews and alex reviews and they've been on the show way more frequently than they used to be and like so we have a different established thing on the show and so maybe it's time i rethink how we do that game of the year show or maybe we do two shows one with the reviewers and one with uh with the podcast people i don't know i think that ryan's idea is joe's idea why did i say ryan because we were talking about Ryan earlier. Oh, we were. Okay. <laughs> and you so, get name confusion so I easily. Do. Thank you, Joe. Uh, I think Joey, Joe's Joey, idea. Joey. Joey's Joey. idea <laughs> to talk about and think about what we're doing with end of the year is a good one. And I think we're going to think about it and actually think about what we want to do. Do we want to change it up this year to make it a little different and um, make use of the fact that we have different regulars who play through a lot more games uh, and a lot of whom do reviews. So maybe we should, you know... Um, do it different and also joey's point about hey i'm invested in your opinions and want to see how you rank things is totally one that i overlooked i'm going to be honest because that's one of the things i like about like giant bombs game of the year show i know what games they like and so i know like uh oh it's time to talk about this game i know dan record's gonna hate it and i can't wait to hear him argue with everybody about it and you can't have that at all with the game of the year show because you never listen to these people the rest of the year so thank you for getting me to think about this and i hope i explained why it is the way it is and I, I hope it's enjoyable for what it is. And um, we didn't even do one last year. So maybe it's time for a change. We'll think about it. So if nothing else, you've accomplished your goal of getting us to think about it. And I really appreciate that sort of feedback. And so this uh, question also made me get curious how long it had been since from when I stopped reviewing, from when I started reviewing again this year. It was 10 years. Yep. I stopped doing reviews for 10 years. Conflict of interest. Well, Less of a conflict of interest now since I run my own company. <laughs> uh, I guess. You're still getting money from publishers. Yeah, but I don't review anything that's in their lanes. Well, I mean, you mm. could have made that same... That was always an option. It was just no, never considered good it, enough. No, it was a much harder argument when I was working directly with Clever. Because Clever has lots of different clients, and even if I'm not explicitly working on them, I'm working with the business that's working on them. Yeah. And so it makes a big difference. Okay. It does. At least as far as I'm concerned. As far as you're concerned, I'm saying as far as people who are going to object over that, they might still find reason to object. That's okay. all I'm saying. Anyway, all right. regardless, I'm glad that you're back in the review business because uh, I think you've been doing a good job. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I got hate mail for my Cat Quest 2 review. That's okay because you said <laughs> something about dogs. Yes. What was your hate mail again? My... my Peep, uh, it, it was it, a dog lover? Yes. Said, Someone said like that I said. should be more respectful of people that prefer dogs. <laughs> you know what? Us cat yeah, people get up. crapped on so much. Eat it, dog person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they listen to the podcast. But the, I, that shit totally I am <laughs> teasing, by the way. <laughs> no, she's not. No, I actually really love dogs. I, I do. Um, uh, the only problem My best that, friend like, is a dog. You, yeah, <laughs> when you have, well, um, unless you like have chihuahuas or yorkies, you can't really have as many dogs as you can have cats. That's yeah. true. Well, I don't know. I think some people do, don't they? Oh no, some people Ooh, do, yikes. but they also have like a ranch that they can have all those dogs on, and right. I've just got a miniature pincher in a little bitty yard oh, my doggies went to the ranch upstate too when they got old no oh. no i'm talking oh. like farmland <laughs> so oh. i 
I did work with somebody that actually fell for that, like as an adult. Oh. I'm really sorry for them. Yeah, she she wasn't very bright, but that's beside the point. Well, point is, I love dogs. Not all need and... to be bright, so I'm just have to shine. Point is, I love dogs. I love cats. I wish I could have birds if my husband would let me, but he said that um, cats and birds don't get along. That's not true. It it can um, be done. It's just you gotta be you careful socialize and know them. about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know it can my... be done because we've seen it on the internet. But we it, also... it can be done. But my cats are pretty. My cats are pretty savage. Yeah. <laughs> you have anyway. so many cats. I think it would be hard to socialize them all properly. Yeah, yeah, especially the ones that like to eat anything that moves. <laughs> yeah, that would be a problem. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Bye, bird. All right. What are we talking about? Um, we had a question of the week. Oh, it was, what was it? What's your favorite Pokemon starter? Woo! All right. Ever or in this game? No, ever. 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 Ever, 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 That's easy. Charizard. Charmander. Come on. Well, yeah, Platy, right Platy M says, uh, Matt uh, says, Charmander, he's just Duh. too iconic. Yeah. Um, Featherhoof says, I loved my Squirtle back in the day. Aww, Squirtle, I Squirtle. really loved my Fennekin sometime after that. Mm. But the one that tops them all was my little round bird with the leafy bow tie rowlet. You don't get much cuter than a spherical ball of soft cuteness that already comes dressed for formal occasions. Aww, that's adorable. I admittedly almost chose Rowlet for that reason. All of those reasons. Oh man, Fennekin blew me away about how cool of a starter that it was. I think that was the first time that I... Then it turns into a weird thing and it stands up. It's it's amazing! It turns into this giant fox that it pulls out a stick and goes, wee! I love it. No. Before Litten came about and became my favorite starter ever in the history of time, uh, Finnegan was my favorite. Oh, no. Where's Smugleaf? Smugleaf is best starter. It started a meme that Polygon or Kotaku killed immediately by drawing attention to it. And it was the best starter ever. What was the meme? The Smugleaf meme. Just Smugleaf. Yeah. Yeah, they called it out and showed art about it. His name is Snivy. Snivy, yeah. And then they started doing the Smugleaf memes. And then it's like, as soon as the community was like, oh, the mainstream's onto this. This isn't cool anymore. We can't do this meme anymore. And it's like, no, no. This is why we can't have nice memes. Yeah. Nobody even remembers Smugleaf anymore. See? It's just wrong. We have a picture of Chris uh, as a trainer. With a smug leaf. Yeah. And it, the artist actually wrote smug leaf on it. Yeah. We got him through. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, Strawberry Eggs says, I love the fire start type starters, and a few of them are even a favorite Pokemon of mine. It all goes back to Charmander, though. Starters by themselves, I like Litten and Torchic more, but I still love Charizard even after all these years. Oh. No. Uh, Shaman says, looks like I'm going off the board here <gasps> since I really like Turtwig. Turtwig. Oh. That is really off the board. <laughs> I don't even remember what generation that's from. Nope. Uh, three. Oh, that would be why. <laughs> yeah, I kind of like dodged no, some I'm of sorry, the four. generations. Four. Yeah, that was four. Sorry. My bad. Four. Yeah, I like, I remember one and two really clearly. Um, and then kind of 
there's a blank in there where I I think I played them a little bit, but not really. But, um, the problem but, the problem that I end up having is I end up getting confused because there's like four, five, and six, and then there was Pokemon Conquest, and I played the crap out of that game. So it's like you want to talk about like drill burn stuff. I am on top of that. But like you randomly give me a Pokemon and I'm like, I have no idea what generation this is from. <laughs> so wait, you you skipped out on three, which gave us the do you like mudkips meme? Um, so my my introduction to that generation was Hot Skitty on Waylord action. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I honestly don't even, even remember mean? if I played those games. So um you know how there are egg no, no, breeding no, no, groups? No, 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 not how, what does hot skitty on Waylord action mean? I mean, what does it mean that was your first introduction? You didn't play those? I don't think so, no. Why? Um, weird I timing. I skip it. Yeah, I, reasons. I know why I skipped Pokemon, because I was like, oh, these are all the same thing for forever. And then X and Y came out, and I'm like, all right, I'm doing this again. And I was like, I love Pokemon. Some of those oh. generations came out when I was couch surfing, so I just uh, wasn't buying video no games. Yeah. Yeah. Gen, Gen 3 was when I was in college and had a lot of downtime in between classes and, you know, had to, like, drive uh, 30 minutes to my classes. So that was pretty much my only entertainment um, while I was away from home, so I played the crap out of Gen Three. I think I put about two hundred hours in the um, b- both uh, Ruby and Fire Red. I remember Fire Red. I remember trading with someone. I don't remember actually playing the game. So yeah. Also, fi- also Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh, Advanced. that I remember I- playing. Yeah, my my silver at Game Boy SP is like my treasure because it was literally probably my best friend in college. That thing went everywhere with me. Oh, that's both adorable and slightly sad. I I know. College was a weird time for me. <laughs> it's okay. University was weird for me too. All right. <laughs> um crawl says Froki is probably the starter that I like most across all three evolutions, but I'm like, but I'm with Feathercliff here. Rowlet is a literal ball of feathers that beats everything else. Mm. The final evolution is also pretty cool, but that's irrelevant. Wait a minute, isn't the fire final evolution like grass ghost? Yeah, it's basically it's amazing. Robin Hood. Yeah, I that generation has all of the has all of the best double. double element evolutions and i'm sad that we've gone away from that like this generation all of the final forms only have a single type to them and i think that sucks i think it's because people would have been mad if there would have been another firefighting because boy that bunny looks just like it could be firefighting oh is that confirmed it's not firefighting finally no it's just fire yeah all of the evolutions in this version are straight up water straight up grass and straight up fire yep Okay. Now I'm a little disappointed, but all right. See? I'm I'm disappointed too, but at the same time, I know people get so mad about the typing of this I'm just so happy it wasn't fighting again. And just yeah. because I'm tired of it, not because I'm against the concept. That's all. No, like, Incineroar should have been firefighting. Yeah. It made sense. Yeah, because he's a pro wrestler. Also, mm-hmm. Incineroar shouldn't exist. That is the no. weirdest change. I that love is... him, and he can cuddle in my lap no. anytime. He should be a kitty cat cuddling <laughs> in your lap, not a large macho man. That's weird. No. It's a weird thing. You're... 
Listen. Anna, divorce him. Oh. He's wrong. Incineroar is the best. I'm leaving you for him. Kelly. Oh. Yes. <laughs> what about your Incineroar? How are you sharing him? I have He's picking up, up for both of us. <laughs> He's picking up for both of us. <laughs> yes. He's a good kitty. He's a good kitty. <laughs> He's not a cat anymore. <laughs> not a cat. All right. And then we asked Twitter and we got gifs. We got some good gifs. So uh, Jason uh, says, Piplup, its final evolution is water and steel and it's Napoleon pun. That and it's adorable. I mean, just look at it. And then uh, John Lucero um, sent us a total uh, total dial that is spitting water into our faces. Wait, didn't he do that to Ash a lot in the anime? Yeah. Total Dial's cool. I was really sad when they replaced Squirtle, but I was actually kind of okay with it being replaced with Total Dial. I like that Total Dial basically becomes a caveman crocodile when it's fully evolved. Oh, the Crocona? Crocona? Yeah. Or whatever it is? Yeah. And it, its spots look like right out of the Flintstones. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for your feedback. We always appreciate it. We're going to tell you us a little bit later in the show how to send us feedback when we give you our question of the week. All right. Time for the news. All right. So a little lighter on the news right now because it's kind of the end of the year and all the big things are out. But we still have news. Two Worlds 2, Shattered Embrace, has been officially unveiled. This is a DLC pack. That picks up after the end of Call of the Tenebrae, which was the 27 DLC, as the long-lost elven race resurfaces on a remote island. This is the game that will not die. This game came out in 2011, and it's still getting DLC. They're, they're moving towards making a sequel, right? Um, I think so. Yeah. Yes, they are supposed to be making Two Worlds 3. Yeah. This is supposed to be the last one. Yes. The last so DLC. this is... Um, do we have a release date for this? Um, I don't think so. Next year? So yeah, 2020. It wasn't in the yeah, story. Uh, early next so. year, I think. Yeah. So yeah, if you already have the Two Worlds 2 Season Pass, you will get this automatically or you can purchase it separately. The Season Pass? Yep. Like from a bazillion years ago? From 2016, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, when they did the, like, Revival. Oh, the Revival one. All right. Yeah, Two Worlds 2 Revival, the PC release that came out. All right. Yeah. When you bought that, you could buy a season pass. Hey, speaking of uh, PC games, Dragon Quest Builders 2 is coming to Steam. Yay! Yay! So I'm going to, I'm going to... I'm going to finger wag a little bit at this Uh-oh. because I saw this announcement and I saw people reacting to it negatively. Boo, why is this coming to what? Steam? What, why? Can't why? Because it's a good game and more people need to play it. Thank you! Yeah. Why Why is anyone upset that it, more people get to play games? I don't and, know. And plus, you know, it being pretty much a Minecraft clone, it, the PC is a built-in audience and it's going to make a ton of money. Yeah, I was like, yeah. why yes. would people be upset if it's better suited for mouse and keyboard controls? Yeah. And did you guys see the trailer with the, them building a, a replica of a PC yes. in the game? That was cool. That was so awesome. All right. Dragon Quest 2 is coming to Steam. It's going to be available December 20th. 
Let's try English that again. Anna. <laughs> December 10th, 2019 for $59.99 includes all of the DLC available on PS4. And, and bonus items. Yes. And if you purchase it before January 6th, so you have basically a month to pick it up, you will get additional in-game recipes. Which are really, they are really freaking cool. Did you see those? Yeah. There's a whole video that comes with the story. It's awesome. All right. I'm, I'm actually kind of jealous that they're getting, it's basically stuff that's in a homage to Dragon Quest 2. All right. What else? Ah, so Stadia. <laughs> oh, boy, Stadia. It's still here. Been, oh, been All right. Yeah, they haven't canceled it yet, so that's something. Okay. We're going to avoid all of the controversy and just swerve to say, hey, if you have a Stadia, um, it, you can play Final Fantasy 15 as one of the new launch titles. Okay. Carrying on. Well, that's right. They added launch titles last minute, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. So what did, do we have a list? I guess 15 is the one we care about. Right. <laughs> oh, come on. No. God, no. All right. Please, no. Oh. All right. Uh, level 5 Snack World is coming out in North America. Level 5 Snack World? Yes. Snack World was their phone game that is very similar to Fantasy Life. Oh, okay. Uh, is it? Like, Wait, is no, it, I'm uh, sorry. Snack World is a 3DS game that never came out here. I'm sorry. But it is kind of like Fantasy Life. Yeah. This was the one that was in development hell, right? Like it was supposed to be one of those multimedia projects they do with anime and everything. And I it like don't it just carried on forever and ever. That one I'm not 100% sure. Kind of, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was always going to be the multimedia project because it's level five. That's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say, no wonder that trailer had such an anime vibe to it. I mean, yeah, they originally announced it, what, yeah, back in 2015, 2016 or something with a yeah. sort of a full 3D sort of animation thing. It's about 15 minutes long. Whoa. All right. Um, yeah, so it never came out here. And uh, now that they've announced a, a, an enhanced port called Snack World, the Dungeon Crawl Gold, which well, is they, coming... Yeah, they released the Switch version in 2018. Oh, okay. Like, half, half, about, yeah. Yeah, um, but I mean, no one thought this was going to come over, right? Because it was like, all right, so they announced it, and then pff, nothing. Well, it was always going to be a Nintendo doing it whenever. Eh, I didn't think they... Like... Honestly, it never felt like it should... And I hate using the word this way. It never felt like it should have taken this long. Like, if they were going to do it, why didn't they do it last uh, year? Uh, well, no, because it's always Nintendo doing it, and there's usually been quite a gap between the Japanese and English releases when Level 5 stuff's come over, like Inazuma and LBX, I think, is the other one. Okay. I'm going to say uh, maybe. It's, yeah, it's, it's not too far behind for previous ones. Maybe they were wanting to focus more on Yokai Watch. That we don't have the Switch version of? Oh, no, but you had Yokai Watch 3 came out yeah. towards the start of the year, so probably just oh, pacing them a bit. Gotcha. That's my theory. I could be wrong. Yeah, it's reasonable. So, Arc of Alchemist? No, Level 5 Snack World, coming out 
February 14th, 2020. Hey, Chris. Yeah. This is my Valentine's Day gift. What is? Ark of Alchemist? No, Snack World. Uh, I think we're going to talk about Ark of Alchemist now. But <laughs> you got okay, to mention the character fine. name, surely. All right. What's the character name? Smorgasbord! There you go. It's a good name. Dumb name. Well, well yeah. now I'm just also, thinking about... your party members are Chip and Mayona. Not Chip and Dip? No. Okay. All right. Now we're moving on to Ark of Alchemist. That I've gotten so excited. All right. Um, Ark of Alchemist, which is an idea factory game. Um, it is finally coming out in North America and Europe. It will um, come out on the PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch January 30th in North America, January 31st in Europe. So this is another... How do I explain Idea Factory game? <laughs> it's a bunch of people that go out and do stuff. <laughs> I is take it piece? it's very moe. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's a thing. You, uh, it's a bit more stylized than the other ones, and I think yeah, it's a, I think an action-based combat system. Most so. of the girls aren't wearing pants. Well, okay, they're going into a desert. So. Oh, it's an idea factory game. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, if you're interested, to... sorry, go ahead, Kelly. No, that's just a, not wearing pants in a desert. That's just a good way to get sand up your skirt. <laughs> they're not wearing skirts. This is true. oh, <laughs> even worse. <laughs> She did say Idea Factory. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, if you're interested in kind of checking out a little bit more about the game, the, they've put out their the opening movie trailer for the game, which kind of gives you a feel of like the art style and, and direction of the game. And there's lots of screenshots. And yeah, um, it's girls going out in the desert <laughs> and doing stuff. I am so bad at describing Idea Factory games. <laughs> They're girls. When they get more powerful, they lose their clothes. Oh, for goodness sake. Except for the one that is most certainly underage. She gains clothes. <laughs> I think we're actually going to talk about that game because there's an LRG coming for it. Oh. Uh, Heist of the Handsome Jackpot is new DLC announced for Borderlands 3. So is this Ocean's Eleven and Borderlands? Um... Uh, the the DLC is coming out December nineteenth. We'll see players recruited into breaking into Daryl uh, into a derelict space station built by Handsome Jack. Players venture into the Handsome Jackpot, a casino with all the ego of its constructor that hosts Hyperion loader bots as well as lunatic traps. No, lunatics that are trapped aboard it. Sorry, I misread that. Um, so you have to be at least level thirteen. Um, though this will scale up. If you are higher than 13 um, and you must have completed episode five of the main campaign and unlock sanctuary three. So this is the first of the four planned campaign add-ons. If you have the DLC pass, you'll get it for free. Otherwise um, you have to buy it. And um, if you haven't already purchased borderlands three, you can play it for free. Um, Oh, from the 20, 21st to the 24th. So tomorrow late, yeah. <laughs> on PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. <laughs> Whoopsie. All right. Langrisser 1 and 2. I'm kind of excited about this. So this is a remake I collection <laughs> of the first two Langrisser games that are coming to PS, P, 
PS4, PC, and Nintendo Switch on March 10th, 2020. Um, Europe is getting it on March 13th, 2020. You can get the $80 collector's edition on NAS's North American and European store. So these were games that came out on the Genesis. So you you probably actually know it not as Languiser, but as Warsong if you played it back in the day. I'm excited about it, but like 10 days later, then Final Fantasy VII Remake comes out. Well, and like a week after that is Trials of Mana. Yeah. But I mean, the problem, and this is something that I was actually talking about in the NISA Discord. The problem with 2020 is you're never not going to be up against something. Yeah, 2020 is going to be huge. I'm, I might pick it up and have it as my portable game because I'm really looking for, or I'm, I've never got into the Langreaser series and, uh, Jonathan Stringer says that it's amazing, especially if you're a Genesis fan. Yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's why I, I'm interested. I completely ducked this series back in the day. I remember seeing Warsong on shelves and just not being interested in it. See, um, I, I had the Sega channel back in the day, but for some reason that game was never on it. For reals? Wow. Yeah. Sh- Shining Force and Fantasy Star was on there, but not this one for some reason. Huh. No, so I missed out, completely missed out on it. Huh. Well, now you'll have an opportunity. Like me, I'm excited. Yay! All right, um, see you in six months. All right, Dungeon Defenders Awakened um, is getting a closed beta. Oh, yay. So me and you used to play this with Miss Diana a lot. Yeah. Um, so this game... Uh, has a planned release window on Nintendo Switch and PC in Q1 2020 with PlayStation 4 and Xbox One to follow in Q2. Um, if you pre-order the game through either the Kickstarter campaign or the Slacker backer um, at the $40 level or above, you will get access to the PC closed beta um, starting yesterday, November 22nd. So this is a complete reimagining of the original game. And it, if you haven't played this at all, this is like, um, like tower defense meets action RPG. So you like set up all of these traps and like shooty things and all sorts of stuff to protect a crystal. And then you get wave after wave after wave of enemies that you like pew, 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 pew down with your defenses and with your swords and magic and stuff. It's fun. All right. Um, <laughs> who? put the planet zoo story in here not i actually no okay why did you put the, why did you put a this planet zoo story in here because oh, it was fun it was funny and we were talking about planet zoo before like a couple weeks ago so <laughs> so there anna so basically planet zoo has become a pig and ostrich ostrich based economy now yeah, what I read from that article. Yeah, so um, the idea is this Planet Zoo attempts to mimic the way that real life zoos swap around animals, mm-hmm. and that there are some animals that are more or less valuable. And so, oh, the pr- yeah, <laughs> yeah, it tries to mimic, yeah, how, yeah, as you said, how you sort of, yeah, they keep transferring things around and how sort of you want to set up breeding programs for animals, etc. Yeah. Yeah, it's this weird thing where the economy, if you play it right, will actually just revolve around you breeding your animals nonstop. Oh, no, it's, it's, yeah. 
But yeah, the problem is obviously it's a player-based economy, so it's just completely collapsed <laughs> pretty much immediately and dissolved into chaos. <laughs> Excellent. It's a fascinating read about kind of like the uh, economies of games. <laughs> See, when when I, I saw about how a bad player-based economy, I thought that he was posting to articles about how Gaia Online pretty much tanked their own economy, if anybody had ever played that forum game back in the day. But they, that got so bad that it's actually any economics textbooks on how uh, player-based economies can basically tank. Um, so th- It's kind of yeah. like how... Um, people that study diseases like the <clears throat> blood outbreak uh, and wow. Yeah, and I, I love stuff like this. All right. I, I think stuff like this is fascinating. So Sorry. if you're yeah. interested in reading this Rock, Paper, Shotgun article that basically breaks down how the economy has become ostriches, peafowls, and warthogs. <laughs> 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 All right. It's a very funny article. It's quite good. good. Yeah. Um, if you ever want to see our show notes, they're actually public and, and, and anybody can see them. Um, so if you go to rpgamer.com and then click on uh, podcast at the top, you can choose RPG cast. Um, go to the latest post about RPG cast and the link to the Google Docs that we use is right there. All right. Next story. Um, the Game Awards have put out their list of nominees, um, which is to say Death Stranding is nominated for everything because Keeley has a boner for Kojima. But wasn't Keeley in the game? Yeah, yeah. you mean the game yep. with Jeff Keeley in it has got lots yeah. of awards and Jeff Keeley awards. You guys are talking <laughs> yeah. about conflicts do the of I know, I know. It's just funny. Yeah, I know. Um, and here's, I think, what's even funnier is, I don't know if you guys remember... I can't remember if it was last year or the year before that CBS did their own video game award show. Uh-oh. And uh-huh. people complained like immediately before and after the show that CBS sent out emails that were like, if you give us lots of money, you'll win an award. <laughs> <laughs> like it was completely shameless. And some of these emails were made public. Um, one of the PR people that I know really well on Twitter periscoped like a whole bunch of back um, stage stuff that was going on and caught some I uh, caught like the 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 musical act and like some of these conversations going on and like it I don't know for what reason it all of a sudden this came up again as relevant this year and was like Jeff Keeley's taking money for his game show and it's like yeah because he has sponsors that's kind of how you raise the money to do a game show but you can't actually buy the awards and that's been like a tenant of Keeley's game show awards for like as long as he's run them also even if they were why do we care the vi- the movie awards are totally bought yes like completely and no one's subtle about it they take out the judges to like cruises around the world and take them to five-star dining to like pe- places that have three-star michelin no actually that's kind of been a thing that's been poo-pooed for a while like, yeah, companies will pay um, for a bunch of journalists to come in and play the game and write impressions, but you'll actually find a lot of these bigger sites don't let that person who's been wined and dined write the final review. Assume, yeah, but what about, like, your influencers and stuff? Oh, that's different. Oh, okay. Cool. 
I mean, I, that's in a different category. And uh, I'm not going to lie. There are some influencers that, I mean, I've reached out to or PR people that I know have reached out to. And they're like, yep, yeah, if you want to be on my stream, here's my prices. Woo. And there are, there's actually been, I know people talk about like, oh, all these reviews are paid for. <laughs> we've had offers for paid reviews. We've consistently said no. But big sites don't they do don't, paid they reviews. Don't, they don't like hearing no from us, Anna. Oh, my God. Keep contacting <sighs> But how about if we just write this article and we put it on your homepage for seven days and we'll give you $8? <laughs> and it sounded a like whole, you just gigantamaxed. A whole $8. A whole $8. <laughs> so here is the reason that I'm angry. I'm the one that buys and sells ads for RP Gamer. And so people contact also me. Also writing reviews. Conflict of interest. <laughs> There's never been a game that I've reviewed that we've had an ad for. I know. Why are you buying ads? Yeah, why are you buying ads? <laughs> um, because if we sell ads outside of our service, we get a lot more money. No, but that's selling ads. You don't buy ads. Oh, you know what <laughs> I mean. That's our point. <laughs> you know what I mean, dang it. But anyways, so people email me all the time and are like, I want to put a, a story that I wrote on your website. And my answer is no, we, we just don't do sponsor stories. We don't do sponsor links and stories. We don't want to stick your stupid gambling addiction video into our website. <laughs> I don't even like the videos we have injected into our website. But since they're the thing that pays the bills, it, it's an evil necessity. But anyways, the pro here's the problem that I run into. If I'm nice when I tell them no, they email me back repeatedly trying to convince me. If I'm rude, they email back and tell me that I'm being rude. Why are you so rude, Anna? There's no middle ground. And if you ignore them, they just get more persistent. They, oh my God, they don't stop emailing. Oh, all right. Hey, if you're an ad buying person, I'm sorry your, your job is so hard. Please don't be that person. All right, carrying on. Uh, yeah, uh, there's there's the Game Awards. Uh, there's not really a lot of RPGs to talk about in here. It's Outer Worlds is one that comes up a lot. Disco Elysium is up for Best Narrative. Um, Sayonara, no, um, the Link's Awakening is up for Art Direction. Cadence of Hyrule is up for Best Score in Music. Uh, so is uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, uh, that's kind of it in terms of RPG stuff. Um, well, well yeah, up. Anna, because you know they don't make RPGs anymore. Yeah, ongoing game, Final Fantasy <laughs> fourteen, um, independent game, Disco Elysium, and Untitled Goose Game. I hope that wins. Um, hey, Chris, you should be excited. Best mobile game? Uh, one of the things nominated is What the Golf. Hey. Um, right. Fire Emblem was under Best Strategy Game. Oh, I, I totally missed cool. that. Um, yeah. So here is something that I find really funny, and I do want to talk about this. Best community support is one of them is coming up is Final Fantasy fourteen. You know what happened? The day after these announcements came out, they announced that they were shuttering their twi their Twitter customer support. Who? <laughs> Square Enix for Oops. Final Fantasy fourteen. Well, then they shouldn't win the award, should because, they? And people are really upset because that was one of the easiest and simplest and like straightforward ways to get a hold of them. You sent them a Twitter DM, they replied back. 99% of the time, you were done. Yeah, and their, their customer service on their website is not that great. Oh, yeah, and then there's the best RPG category, which is all of the things we've already talked about. Disco Elysium, Final Fantasy XIV, Kingdom Hearts 3, The Outer Worlds, and one more, Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Okay. Mm. So, yep. 
uh, strategy. Yeah, you're right. Strategy game has Fire Emblem Three Houses. Why is Fire Emblem Three Houses not up for best RPG? But anyways, um, yeah, multiplayer games, uh, Borderlands Three, um, fresh indie games presented by Subway. What? <laughs> so fresh. Presented by Subway. Yeah. Subway indie fresh. <laughs> Uh, that has Disco Elysium in it and Ed, uh, Outer, Outer, Outer Wilds? Yeah, Outer Wilds, which okay. is a different game. And yeah, Untitled Also a good game. So, yeah. Um, there's eSports Awards. Of course, those are always controversial because someone in there is, you know, dropped the N-word like as soon as they were nominated or something. Um, yeah, I'm sorry it's happening. I'm like, oh, who are you talking about? And then I realize, oh, you just mean in general. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. of course that could be they, someone. Yeah. They, they just milkshake milk dogs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I love you guys. All right. All I right. love that you taught me that term. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> to the next one. I can't stop laughing. Oh, I don't have it up. I don't know. <laughs> All right. uh, Divinity it's... Original Sin is getting a board game. Oh, yeah. They're kickstarting it, right? Yeah, it blew past its goal. So now you can just go in there and be like, yeah, I want whatever. those rewards, and it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, in theory. So, yeah, um, the the requirement was uh, 160000 I think they got that in like, the first hour. Um, they have 26 days to go. They're sitting at $640,000. Um, have they put um, stretch goals in here? Um, stretch goals, all right. Um, they have stretch goals up to like a million dollars. No, $700,000. Um, and so it's like more stuff. Um, yeah, it's just more stuff. It's all more stuff. Um, they're going to have to start... Um, adding new stretch goals because they're almost at 700,000. Um, if you want to back this, I'm sorry. I have the worst hiccups right now. You have two choices. <laughs> I'm sorry, three choices. Choice number one, $120. You will get Divinity Original Sin, the board game, as well as any unlocked board uh, stretch goals. $165. You will get a copy of the board game on any unlocked stretch goals and the boss upgrade pack metal coin set leather bags, and an extra set of dice. If you want to throw down for $220, you will get the, the extended edition. That's a copy of the board game, including all stretch goals, everything that I just talked about in the premium pledge tier, and then you will also receive both side quest boxes. And they describe what all of these things are. This whole Kickstarter is incredibly well done, super visual. I love scrolling up and down this thing because there's always something to look at. So if you're interested and have $120 or more to fork out, um, go for it. All right. Um, what you playing? Better late than never. Our October 2019 <laughs> update. I'm sorry. I, I oh, have yeah. to tease Josh. It is. It's there. <laughs> it's light, but it's there. Uh, Phil talked about his time in Monster Hunter World Iceborne. Um, Strawberry Eggs talks about uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, Sam, our awesome uh, coordinator, PR girl, um, talked about Story of Seasons and uh, Dragon Quest on uh, the Switch. Uh, Whoops talks about Double Clock Survivor Overclocked. Uh, Ryan is one of our new reviewers and our newsy. He talks about Mistover. Um, wait, the. What? 
What? What is this for? I don't know. Should I? Uh, is it PC? It must be. I think it was on PC. Okay. Yeah, it's PC. It might be on other. I think it's on other stuff as well, actually. Okay. Yeah, maybe PC, PS4, and Switch too. Okay. Um, yeah. It looks a lot like Etrian Odyssey now that I'm looking at the screenshots, so I think I might have to try this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna scooch over and okay, put that on like, my oh, list. What is this? Yeah. Oh, Our, uh, <laughs> the <laughs> the other Ryan is uh, Kingdom Hearts three. Uh, you know what? We have to like put a limit on the number of people with the same name on. We're done with Mike's. <laughs> We're done with Ryan's. No more Mike's. No more Ryan's. Even last name. <laughs> Fine, you stay. You're an edge case. Uh, okay. uh, Platy talks about his time with Persona Q2, New Cinema Labyrinth, and Josh talks about Trails of Cold Steel, which he's done on this podcast. I love yeah. these What You Play in features. If you like them too, definitely leave a comment or shoot us a tweet because we want to know if you like this kind of thing because we're trying yeah. to do more broader editorial style content, uh, like uh, editorial style content, like um, opinion content. So if you like these, let us know so that we have a better idea of whether these things are worth producing because they take a lot of time. All right. We are down to reviews. We have reviews this week. Uh, we have a review for Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch on Switch. Switch. Uh, thank you, Platy. That gets a three and a half out of five. We have a Greedfall review by one of our new reviewers, Jervon. Is it Jarvin or Jervin? Jarvin, <sighs> like Garmin, remember? Well, it's... Is it? I thought so. Okay. Or am I... No, wait, this is a new one? Yeah. Oh, that's, I'm thinking the other guy. All right, that's it. No names. No more names, period. I can't know names. We're back Do we get numbers? All right, he's, he's three and a half out of five for Greedfall. Um, stay cool, Kobayashi-san. A River City Ransom story got a review. Uh, Alex, you've talked about this on the podcast. Um, your review was exactly what I expected it to be, two out of five. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, no. And it's a bummer because there's been so many other good River City games that came out this year. So it's like... Um, Disco Elysium! We yeah. got a review! Thank you, Zach. How is it? Disco isn't dead. Four and a half out of five. Ooh. Honestly, That's going to be a fun one to play the, with. The thing it. that I think he, he kind of rags on a lot in the review, because I was reading it before it was fully proofed, is like, this world is so dark. So dark. So I've been hearing um, finish Outer Worlds before Disco Elysium because uh, Disco, Disco Elysium, Elysium is so long. Does the uh, conversational RPG thing like way better than Outer Worlds? Apparently, even <laughs> just because it's Oops. better than any game. Period. It's so yeah. it's a new thing. So like maybe do Outer Worlds first because it's also awesome. But like you're gonna be like, oh, that's what you can do with one of these, and then you'll be disappointed. <laughs> Yeah, they're both about the same length, I think, Outwards and Disco Elysium. Here's the real question. Is it as dark as Diablo 4? I know, it's pretty dark. So uh, dark. It's really, <laughs> we had a lot of darkness, um, and it's metal, and dark metal. Um, and we got a guy who wrote, who made art. Look at this. It's art? dark. It's pretty dark, don't I, you think? I, I think it should I be think darker. I think it's dark. It's, just, it's pretty dark. Maybe it should be a I still darker. don't understand if they were joking or not. I, <laughs> I still don't know. Like, were they, Why not both? Did they, did they not realize how it was coming off? Did they, did they, I, did they just have direction? Uh, part of me wants to believe their management said, you have to say it's dark. And they said, okay, fine. Screw you. We're going to 
burn it into the ground with how dark it is. And then another part of me sees them saying it sometimes like it sounds like they mean it, like they think it's important. And I'm like, oh. That's all. Sorry. <laughs> Every time. So easy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Did you rile me up on purpose? <laughs> yeah. oh. You poked the bear. <laughs> All right, yes, Disc Elysium is most excellent. Um, hey, Decay of Logos. I finally answered. Okay. I'm sorry. I'll tell you guys after the podcast why I'm laughing. Uh, Rising Star Games and Amplified Creations have announced a release date for Decay of Logos. Uh, it's November 28th, 2019 for $20 or 20 euros. So that's coming up real fast. Uh, you play as a young woman named Ada. Uh, her village is destroyed and she's going for revenge with her elk. Hmm. Do, do you know her? No. Uh, you ought to know. <sighs> Sorry. Uh, if you're a non-Switch player, the game's already available for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. All right. Um, on Outward. Um, the... What? The, the DLC pack, Permadeath... Post game and poutine. I'm sorry. Um, how, how do we work poutine into the game? What? I don't know. I want to know more. Yeah. So um, this update is available for the console versions for PS4 and Xbox One. So this update already came out on PC. It includes a new hardcore mode that has a chance of deleting the save if players are defeated. New end game boss fights, an improved legacy chess system, more end game items, and a new supported languages. So, yeah, if you're a fan of Outward, Permadeath, Post Game, and Poutine. Bon appetit. Yes, please. Uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot um, has more scenes. So they're putting out new screenshots. And I don't think a new video yet, right? Just screenshots? Yes. Um, so when you gather the seven Dragon Balls, it's not the end of the story. When you gather seven Dragon Balls, you get to summon... The dragon. Shenron. And you get to revive bosses that you've already defeated. Oh, neat. Then fight them again? Yeah, and so... (laughs) I brought you back to kill you again. Yeah. Well, here's the interesting (laughs) thing is um, because some of those things cause like... um, um, Like... uh, 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 Cataclysms? No, it's um, paradoxes. Yeah. So, like, if you summon back Frieza and Goku is Super Saiyan 3, Frieza yeah. gets really confused. Okay. It has unique dialogue because Goku was only Super Saiyan, like, 1 when they met, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, those are new dialogue tidbits that you can pick up by doing the Dragon Ball thing. So... Dragon Ball Z Kakarot is an action RPG that is the Dragon Ball Z anime told from Goku's point of view and comes out for PC, Xbox One, and PC on January 17th. I can't decide if I want to play it or not. Hey, Chris Tales! Chris Tales! Yay, we have more news! It's coming to Xbox One uh, Game Pass. Oh, cool. I'll watch you play it. Look, you know me. If I'm going to play that game, I'm going to run around shrieking. Why? <gasps> no! I can't do all these moves. Now ah, he's shooting at me. Oh no, in he Chris blew off Tales? my hand. No, in Dragon Ball. 
I thought we were talking about Chris Tales. Oh, you I'm said sorry. Chris Tales. Yeah, Chris but Tales. I thought you were still on Dragon no, Ball because it's Chris coming Tales. to Xbox. Okay. Oh. oh, this podcast is a disaster. <laughs> Don't feel bad. But a happy disaster. It's only you <laughs> that are the problem. <laughs> I'm so excited for Chris Tales. All right. Um, they put out, so they're putting out regular blogs and the blogs are kind of nifty if you're interested in the game. Um, this blog talks about the new kingdom that they revealed, St. Clarity. Um, and they have like animated gifs that they've done for the kingdom, as well as a new character called Wilhelm and his, um, ability to inflict stat- statuses with Yuga Dragos. Um, they also show off some of the cities and they say they take inspiration from, um, Columbia, um, particularly the coastal cities such as Cartagena and Barranquilla. And, Cartagena. Uh, huh? Cartagena. Oh, I'm so bad at this. Thank you. I watched... Um, yeah, sorry. Um, Chris Tales is coming out 2020 for PS4, Nintendo Switch, Xbox One, and PC. This is a turn-based battle system that incorporates time-bending... So players will interact with the past, present, and future all at the same time. Um, Pascal played that City 3. He quite liked it. Um, if you're interested, there is a early demo available on Steam. Uh, Yakuza, like a dragon. There's more combat details. Honestly, this actually covers most of the things that Josh talked about yeah. in his yeah. uh, let's in his uh, now playing. So we're going to skip that. All right. Uh, fairy tale. <laughs> Um, in case you're interested in the upcoming Gust RPG based on the fairy tale anime, has uh, five new characters that are coming to it. If you're interested, there are like 50 new screenshots that have been put out. This game is based on the manga and anime series Fairy Tale, where groups of adventurers called guilds earn money, fame, and more by completing job requests. This is an original story and is set to be released in 2020 for PC, PS4, and Nintendo Switch. And like all anime games, the chances of it being good are pretty small. All right, Game Tech. Oh, Game Tech got a dev diary this week. Oh. I, so I played this at PAX, and I'm like sitting on their Discord server in like their secret super fan um channel so i get to see this stuff before everybody else does so there's a four and a half minute video uh where lucas um talks with um uh, what are you talking about you were at pax yeah so at pax got to see a discord we played at PAX? no no at pax we played game deck remember when we went to the farm Remember, we were the detective oh, in the Game virtual Tech. reality I'm world. This is like some old console thing. No, okay, no, no. Game Detective. Yes. yes, this is where we went in the VR and you went into the 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 farming MMO and you had to rescue people because they're being worked to death, more or less. So yeah. Well, and they're dying in the game mysteriously, and if they die in the game, they're dying in real life. No, so it's like what is up with what that? What a unique concept. <laughs> okay, shut up. <laughs> so Game Deck is based off of this like a uh, Polish uh, book series by. A guy whose name I literally cannot pronounce. Please don't ask me to. But Lucas um, is the executive producer of the game. He's the one that walked us through the game at uh, PAX. And so they have like this four and a half minute conversation where they talk about Low City. Um, And this is sort of like the main hub of a place. So the idea is is it's kind of like dystopian-ish um, cyberpunk where um, all of the city has been built up and up and up and up and the higher you are the better you are but the lower you are the worse off you are so this is the 22nd century very dystopian 
um, and you are a game detective where you jump into these VR worlds where people are having problems and attempt to solve them. And so you can gain a bunch of clues. You're actually not really able to gain them all unless you do everything perfectly, and even then you might not. Um, and then there's multiple ways to get clues. So like if the lady that you're standing next to like flips over and dies, the clue that she gave you can probably be found somewhere else. Um, so yeah, um, they're still shooting for a 2020 release. Um, you can read my impression, which I basically gave you now from PAX, but yeah, Dev Diary was awesome. So what's the news about it? Yeah, uh, they're talking about clear. Low City, oh, which is they're the... they're just talking about stuff. Yeah, okay, it's, it's the main got hub it, for got the got detectives. Got it, got it, thank you. All right. Uh, we need to have a question of the week. So I've been seeing something going around on Twitter that it's the 15th anniversary of the original DS. So I'm curious to know what people's favorite DS games are. I thought, I thought the thing on Twitter this week that was that it was the 20th anniversary of Gold and Silver Pokemon. Well, that too, but we did a Pokemon question last week. Okay, that's fair. All right. <clears throat> so what's your favorite DS game? Or DS mm -hmm. RPG. Oh, keeping it so sight relevant. Rogue Rabbits. I actually really enjoyed um, Contact, which oh, wow. not a lot of yeah, not a lot of people talk about um, or remember. Yeah, or remember. Yeah, that was uh, one of my friends' first games that they were um, like doing all of the packaging and stuff for. And in fact, it that is the game that accidentally got RP Gamer blacklisted from Atlas. <laughs> accidentally? Yeah. So. Um, there is an FTP server that they used to use where they put up all of their stuff that they were giving out to the media, right? Mm -hmm. And the problem is, is they had both an external FTP and an internal FTP so that other staff members could access their goods and get things ready for, like, say, packaging. The problem was, is someone uploaded some things to the wrong FTP. And so one of our very nice newsies pulled down this new stuff which was actually all the packaging for Contact, and posted it on RP Gamer, And we got an absolutely furious email from, um, I think it might have been Zach at the time, um, for, uh, absolutely furious email from Atlas that was like, screw you guys, we're never going to work with you again. And it's like, oh, uh, w wait, what did we do? And so I ended up getting on the phone <laughs> with Atlas and being like, um, so what's up, guys? Because we're super confused. And then like, we can't believe you posted that. It's like, um, it was on the public FTP. They're like, wait, what? And so they go and look and they're like, oh, um, yeah, could you pull it down, please? And it was like, yeah, no problem. So we pulled it down and all was forgiven. But yeah, that was weird. Hmm. Well, that was very weird. Didn't mean to stoke up bad memory. Oh, it's no, not a bad memory at all. It's funny. <clears throat> so uh, I I answered this question on Twitter, and I had a huge list, but the highlights were the Rune Factory series, which got its start on the original DS, um, Golden Sun Dark Dawn, which I love, uh, Solito Robo, that, we, that's what I was about to mention. Yeah, that's yeah. probably my favorite original one on the DS. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard to not pick just all remakes because there's some great remakes too, like Dragon Quest V and Chrono Trigger. And um, Radiant Historia counts too, but the 3DS game is much better. 
Ah, uh, yeah, the, the 3DS was such an awesome system. I mean, no, the 3DS, the original DS, we're not, not including 3DS. All right, so I guess that's our question of the week. What's your favorite DS games? Happy anniversary to the DS. I'm going to have to think about it. Happy anniversary, DS. I mean, I've, I've, talked about, I, I've talked about a lot how the DS got me into the different kinds of games that I wouldn't have normally played because I had my DS so early there weren't any RPGs out. Yeah, I remember buying Lunar Dragon Song because it was one of the first RPGs oh, that came out. So sorry. Regret. I regretted so that. Sorry. I was supposed to review that game. <laughs> Oh, man. I, I played through every agonizing minute of that game because that was the only RPG that was out. I am so sorry for you. They owe you an apology. For real. They owe all of us an apology. All right. Yeah. You know what's great? Someone's going to send in an email and be like, that was my favorite game. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. That's, that's, oh, I'm, I'm sure somebody that. who has not played the good Lunars would probably think that. Oh, <laughs> Them fighting words. (laughs) All right. Well, if you want to provide feedback or yell at Kelly, there's a few ways to do so. Um, Well, and you can email us just like Joey did. It's podcast at rpgamer.com. Thank you so much for emailing. Uh, We do appreciate it. It's great to give us long form stuff. Um, You can call or text us. That's uh, 608-729-4098. And uh, texts are fun. We used to get them from Wolf. He disappeared. Wolf, text us again. We miss you. Um, you can be like uh, Baldicade and Vaughn and uh, Emperor Mythos, whose name I always have trouble pronouncing, and Noodle and Handle Cab and all sorts of other people. Uh, come live noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific at twitch.tv slash rpgamer. Just give us a follow. It'll email you twice a week once when Q&A Quest goes live, once when RPG Cast goes live, and very rarely when one of us play games on the channel. So we promise not to be like super spammy. We're not like that. All right. Um, new games coming out this week. All right. Um, Children I- of Morta. Is coming to PlayStation 4? Uh, yes, so the physical copies are coming out. Oh, that's what it is. Yes. Okay. Um, SD Gundam G Generation Cross Rays. Oh, boy. It's coming to PC. Decay of Logos is coming to Switch, as we mentioned. And Where the Water Tastes Like Wine is coming to PlayStation 4 in Europe. And then Switch and Xbox everywhere else. Okay. Yeah, that. remember last week when you got really confused about that? Yeah, because it's very confusing. <laughs> it is really, it is really confusing. All right. Hey, thanks, Kelly. No problem. Thanks, Peter. Anytime. Thanks, Josh. Happy to be here. Thanks, Alex. Welcome. Thank you, Chris. Yay, I got things. Uh, thanks, Dale North, for our awesome music, forecast for doing our encoding. And uh, all right, what's everybody going to be playing next week? Uh, hey, Kelly, what you playing? Finishing up Pokemon. All right. Chris, what are you going to play? Uh, Path of Exile Pokemon. All right. Peter? I should be playing something else once I finish Pokemon, but I'll probably spend more time in the decks. So Pokemon. <laughs> Make that slow work. I know. Working them hard. <laughs> are, are ditto they's and them's? Sure. Yeah, What's a ditto's that's... gender identification? Well, you'd have to ask it. Well, that's that's a good point. All right, uh, Josh, what are you going to play? Uh, Cold Steel 3. So boring. 
It's a hundred hour game. Sorry. I can't believe you're not done it already. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Alex, uh, can you talk about what you're going to be playing? Um, probably Children of Mortar. All right. Um, I am going to be playing. Um, what am I going to be playing? Alex knows. He gave it to me. Help me out here. Uh, Tangle Deep. Yes. I'm going to play that this week. And I'm going to review it. All right. Thank you, listeners. We appreciate you. We love your feedback. We just love that you listen to the show. So thanks for, you know, doing that. All right. We will uh, see everybody next week to all of our American fans. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. And uh, don't... Are we doing a show next week? Um, Undecided. No. Okay. Because okay. it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Chris says no. We're taking a week off. So we're going to take a week off. <laughs> Uh, unless like something goes crazy with like the Black Friday stuff and like every RPG is on sale, then maybe we'll do something just to talk about that. But like, yep. unless the news is insane, count on there being like no show. All right. Because Anna and I need a vacation. Yeah, maybe there'll be a teeny show if uh, mm. something kind of wild comes up that we don't want to um, wait to talk about. So, all right. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to all our American people. Uh, happy um, Thursday to Alex and me. <laughs> And uh, don't trample anybody on Black Friday, because that's just rude. Yeah. You take all the fun out of our holidays where we remember each other and be nice to each other. Come on. <laughs> what are you doing, Kelly? Wishing safety on people, because like, killing someone over a Blu-ray player is just nuts. But I need my UHDs. I want to watch that Warcraft movie in 4K finally. I need it. Uh, no, you don't. Oh, you really don't. I really don't. Do well, it. I mean, I, I, I like that movie, but kind of ironically, not this because it's a good We have like movie. two UHD discs, and I think that's one of them. <laughs> it's like, what am I going to do with this garbage? <laughs> Nothing. Never watch it. All right. <laughs> We're signing off now. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.